Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 4, a podcast in God's voice telling His side of your story. Before we go further in our story, let's take a step back from it and see how my children have organized it over the years. The Hebrew Bible is known as the Tanakh, a word built from the consonants that begin its three sections, beginning with Torah, or Torah for most Americans. Torah means law, teaching, instruction. The Torah records the laws I give Moses and my children at Sinai. It also records all the narrative up to and a bit past that point, the whole story we've been covering together all this time. The second section of the Tanakh is Nevi'im, Hebrew for prophets. The Nevi'im will continue to tell our story and will remind our children to pay attention to the Torah as the story unfolds. The third and final section of the Tanakh is Ketuvim, the writings. These various books will essentially bear witness to the truth and power of the Law and the Prophets as they are lived out in individual stories and put on display in some of the finest poetry ever written. Believe it or not, we will get around to engaging with most of it, but for today, let's turn our attention to the fifth and final book of the Torah, which you've likely heard of with the title of Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy is taken from Greek. It has other names in Hebrew. Sefer Devarim, short for Sefer Ve'ele HaDevarim, which means the book of These Are the Words, taken from its opening phrase. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan, and so on. The book is also known in Hebrew as Mishneh Torah, repetition of the Torah. The word Deuteronomy is derived from a later Greek translation of the text found in chapter 17, verse 18, in which a second copy of the law is prescribed, as within it, among other things, is a repetition of the law of Moses. For simplicity's sake, we'll continue to refer to it as Deuteronomy. It covers the final months of Moses' life and all he's got to say to the people before he concludes his mission. As you can imagine, the one who didn't want to utter a peep when I found him now has got so many parting words for the people of Israel, an entire book is dedicated to them. Like a parent making sure their child that's off to college remembers to brush their teeth, use an umbrella, and keep red socks out of the white laundry, Moses levels at the nation three huge orations at the end of his life reminding them of my faithfulness and of my commands. He reminds them that the commands we have relayed to them through Moses are terms for their contractual relationship with the Creator. Uh, that would be me. Follow Yahweh's commands, and he'll have your back. Ignore them, and there will be consequences whose primary purpose is motivational, not punitive. Of particular importance in the instruction Moses conveys about the promised land are those concerning Israel's maintenance of its holiness and purity, as well as its exclusive relationship with me. Israel is about to venture into lands with a smorgasbord of deities. 
And if the Abra plan is going to continue through to fulfillment and rescue all humanity, there can be no whoring around with other gods. Pardon the bluntness, but that's exactly what we're talking about. A married person who has any kind of sex with another who is not their spouse breaks their covenant, also known as contract, with their spouse in doing so. Should Israel worship another God that is not me, they would be just as adulterous, breaking covenant and contract with me. The best defense against straying in such a manner is, as they say, a good offense, whether we're talking about fostering and guarding your marriage or maintaining a commitment to me. We've already laid out all kinds of wonderful details concerning Israel's worship of yours truly. When they finally enter the land I've been promising and promising for so long, and they really are about to, Israel is also given strict instruction to demolish every last square inch of anything having to do with the worship of pagan gods. It is imperative that my people maintain their focus on and commitment to me to keep up their side of the relationship bargain so that things can be in the proper place when it comes time to move the Abra plan forward on the other side of the promised land. Of course, I know the people will fail eventually. They're people. I've incorporated human failure into the plan. However, they can't fail yet. Shoot, they haven't even crossed over into the promised land yet. Before we cross over ourselves here in our story, let us bid adieu to Moses finally. Adieu literally means until God. Lots of things to love about the French. Moses' ample role on the way is nearly complete. Ever the teacher now, his not coming over to the promised land with Israel serves one last lesson to the nation he's delivered, the lesson that even he is not above being punished because he broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah and did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. That's Deuteronomy 32.51 which also is covered in Numbers 27 and 12. Because of its close focus on Moses' final days, Deuteronomy overlaps with Numbers' broader coverage in some instances. There's a fun fact you never knew you'd know. All the people know Moses is being held back because he didn't trust I would do as I said in that pivotal provision of water incident. Yet even in this consequence, Moses experiences the mercy of rest after so many years of intense work. Remember, he's a ripe 120 years old now, and he has spared the rigors of the next chapter in the Abra plan. Moses' farewell and its proper pomp and circumstance are the focus of Deuteronomy, and four full chapters are dedicated to Moses' end. You've got Moses at his best there in Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. These are some of the most important words in the owner's manual, and Moses may as well be standing beside you, whispering them in your ear on my behalf right this moment. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, 
Who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, Who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love Yahweh your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and Yahweh your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love Yahweh your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for Yahweh is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, we could spend an entire season simply processing the vastness of these words' implications in your life. Naturally, your promised land is other than that toward which the Israelites are headed, but these principles apply all the same. Listen to my voice, and hold fast to me instead of to the various gods of your age that clamor for your allegiance. Walk with me on the way instead, and we will give you life, life that far surpasses anything else. It is your choice right now as well as day by day, moment by moment even. As Moses says, to do so is not beyond your reach. I've done all the reaching required, and I am right here. My final gift to Moses in Deuteronomy 34 is to give him that look at the land to whose brink he's led my children. Sure, I have him climb Mount Nebo to get a good vantage point, and it's at least half a mile high, but I give Moses a miraculous, supernaturally clear glimpse at every place my kids are about to live, up to a full hundred miles north where the tribe of Dan will establish its settlement in the duly named town of Dan. That's like being able to count the campsites in Promised Land State Park in Greentown, Pennsylvania from atop the Empire State Building. Okay, from atop of two Empire State Buildings, but still. Moses gets a satisfying full exposure to the bodacious bounty his children and mine are about to inherit in very large part because of his tenacious faithfulness. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Moses dies there and is buried in the land of Moab, where the people rightly sit still and mourn him for a full month. They share their favorite stories about the old man and remember how far they've come because of him, 
and how much he wanted them to succeed where their parents had failed. There's no finer summary in Tom than that I give my dear servant Moses to end the book of Deuteronomy, and with it the Torah and Law section of the manual. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom I knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders I sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Indeed, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you again, my old friend. I'm so happy to tell your story to my new children everywhere now. Friend, there are so many lessons for you in the life of Moses, in his weakness and brokenness and incompleteness, his trust in me and in my power, in partnership with my spirit, is what overcame it all and brought my children out of slavery and into the promised land. We will do the same together, you and I, as we walk together on the way. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. We've got a lot of wonderful ground to cover in future episodes. If you'd like to support what we do, share this with your friends. There's a link to the first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. Don't spell out the number. And feel free to give us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. 15 Minutes on the Way is sponsored by the Oak Haven Church in the Barn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oleksandr Zadoyani writes our theme music at smartmediamusic.com. Kenny Eicher designs our website art, kennyeicherart.com. We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time... Be good to yourself.